I'm Josh Escovito with Weintraub Tobin. And I'm Scott Hervey with Weintraub Tobin. In a previous episode, we discussed recent applications of the 1950s case Desney versus Wilder, which set the ground rules for idea theft implied in fact contract cases in California. Grosso versus Miramax, another California case, stated that to establish a Desney claim for breach of implied in fact contract, the plaintiff must show that the plaintiff prepared the work, disclosed the work to the offeree for sale, did so under circumstances from which it could be concluded that the offeree voluntarily accepted the disclosure, knowing the conditions on which it was tendered and the reasonable value of the work. A recent non-citable Ninth Circuit opinion on an implied contract case looks at this promise to pay element. We are going to talk about this case on the next installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. In California, an idea theft claim is based in large part on the California Supreme Court case of Desney versus Wilder. In Desney, the plaintiff, Victor Desney, wrote a script depicting the real-life story of Floyd Collins, a boy who made headlines after he was trapped in a cave 80 feet underground. In an effort to market his script, Desney called Billy Wilder, a writer, producer, and director at Paramount Pictures. Desney could not get through to Wilder and subsequently stripped his script to the bare facts so that Wilder's secretary could copy it in shorthand over the phone. After reading his synopsis, Desney told Wilder's secretary that Wilder and Paramount could use the script only if they paid him a reasonable amount for doing so. Shortly thereafter, Wilder created his own movie script mirroring Desney's. Because Desney's script was based on historical facts, and because Desney only conveyed the bare minimum of those facts to Wilder's secretary, both parties conceded for the purposes of the appeal that the synopsis was not sufficiently original to form the basis of a federal copyright claim. The court, however, held that Desney stated sufficient facts to establish the existence of an implied-in-fact contract between the parties. The California Supreme Court explained that where an idea is furnished by one party to another, a contract sometimes may be implied even in the absence of an express promise to play. A contract exists where the circumstances preceding the attending disclosure, together with the conduct of the offeree acting with knowledge of the circumstances, show a promise to pay. In the recent case of Ralph Riley versus Steve Wozniak, Riley, an IT professor, claimed he had a verbal agreement with Wozniak to create a new high-tech online university based on a course design and outline developed by Riley. Apparently, at least according to Riley, the two shook hands on a deal and Riley developed the course outline. Later, Riley learned that Wozniak had partnered with Southern Career Institute, Inc. to create WozU. Riley claimed he went to two pitch meetings with Wozniak. Wozniak claimed that he never agreed to compensate Riley and further that he never made any money off of Riley's idea because Southern Career Institute reached out to Wozniak to license his name and likeness. In an appeal from the district court's dismissal of Riley's contract claim, Riley argued that a party claiming breach of a contract, an implied in fact contract, for conveyance of, and use of an idea does not need to show that the claimant offered the idea to the defendant for sale because California law provides a broad equitable basis to find implied in fact contracts for the use of ideas. Riley alleged that it was, that it was understood that he and Wozniak would jointly market the concept and that 
Wozniak would be his partner in exploiting Riley's idea. The court said that these facts, as alleged by Riley, do not show an offer for sale, but rather the intent to enter into future business relationships. According to the 1987 Ninth Circuit case of Aliotti versus R. Dankin and Company, no contract may be implied where an idea has been disclosed not to gain compensation for that idea, but for the sole purpose of inducing the defendant to enter a future business relationship. It was in this precise context, the contemplation of a partnership, that Aliotti held that an idea must be disclosed for sale for an implied in fact contract to exist. As such, the Ninth Circuit said that the district court did not err in granting summary judgment because there was no genuine uh, dispute of facts as to whether Riley offered his idea to Wozniak for sale. What about the Ninth Circuit's 2011 holding in Mons versus Pilgrim, in which the court said that it sees no meaningful difference between the conditioning of use on payment and conditioning use on the granting of a partnership interest in the proceeds of the production. This ruling seems contrary to that. The Ninth Circuit did say that in Mons, and I can see how uh, readers of the Ninth Circuit short ruling here could be confused. To understand what the Ninth Circuit was saying in this case, you have to go back to the district court's ruling on the motion for summary judgment. It's there that the district court drilled down on what Riley was pitching to Wozniak. Riley wasn't pitching an idea for Wozniak to acquire, as was the situation in Mons versus Pilgrim, where Mons pitched Pilgrim a concept for a show for Pilgrim to potentially acquire and sell to a network. Rather, what Riley pitched was the concept that Riley would use Wozniak's name as part of a pitch to potential financiers that Riley would make for an online computer school. An implied in, an implied in fact contract requires a reasonable expectation of payment, which can be inferred from the facts and circumstances. The district court found that the evidence established that Riley initially solicited Wozniak's endorsement to start the Woz Institute of Technology, but not an agreement for payment, not an agreement that Wozniak would acquire Riley's idea for, for sale or for partnership, and that Wozniak would be the one trying to exploit that idea. The alleged deal between Wozniak and Riley, which was strongly contested by Wozniak, happened, uh, one, later, uh, so after Riley had already disclosed the idea to Wozniak, and two, was the reverse of the scenario in Mons and in Desney versus Wilder. As you know, uh, where an agreement to pay, even if it was contested as it is here, if it occurs after the disclosure of the idea, that won't support a Desney claim. And the court in Desney commented on that specific factual scenario. It said, the idea man who blurts out his idea without having first made his bargain has no one but himself to blame for the loss of his bargaining power. The law will not in any event from demands stated subsequent to the unconditioned disclosure of an abstract idea imply a promise to pay for the idea for its use or for its previous disclosure. The district court found that a reasonable juror could not conclude that Riley and Wozniak formed an implied in fact contract under Desney because 
of the fact that Riley did not seek to sell anything to Wozniak. Now, I think the Ninth Circuit uh, potentially confused the issue with its discussion of Aliotti when it could have just said that the district court did not err in granting summary judgment because there was no genuine dispute of facts as to whether Riley offered to sell his idea to Wozniak. I also think that no Desney claim would stand for the uh, reason that if there was, in fact, a promise to pay, as alleged by Riley, it happened after Riley uh, gave his idea, this idea of a Woz-branded online technology school to Wozniak. It's really interesting, Scott, to see the way that Desney was applied to these particular circumstances, because as you mentioned, there's an obvious difference here. You know, instead of the typical Desney scenario where party A pitches idea to party B, party B then exploits that idea and enters into a transaction. Here we have party A pitching an idea to party B. Party B says, sure, party A, why don't you go ahead and run with that? And I'm sure they'll circle back with me later. Um, for some sort of partnership. And then party B is subsequently, or you know, at least that's what's alleged and seemingly proven, uh, is approached by a third party for a similar idea. So it, it's very interesting to see how Desney is applied here. Yeah, I mean, it's it, Riley tried to back this into Desney um, uh, because it wasn't on Waz to take any action to try to exploit this concept. It was on... Riley. Now, look, it might have been different if Riley had an agreement with Wozniak, whereby Wozniak granted Riley the exclusive rights to pitch and sell uh, this concept with his name. If that were, in fact, the case, Wozniak would not have been able to enter into this agreement um, with this third party school because Riley would have this blocking right and they would have to make a deal with Riley in order for Wozniak to be able to enter into that uh, agreement. But that wasn't the case. This was th thus, that's why this is an implied in fact contract case and not a breach of an express contract case. Um, but uh, I, I think it's an interesting, I think it's an interesting application of Desney and an interesting analysis of, of Desney, which is why I covered it. I agree with that, Scott. Thanks for sharing. Thanks, John. Thanks for tuning into this installment of The Briefing by the IP Law Blog. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast. And for additional content, visit www.theiplawblog.com. Thanks. Thanks.